listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Online at bethanynaz.org. Several years ago when I was living in Cincinnati, we had this guy who started attending our church. Um, he was in an upper management and a nationally known company. And in conversations, he talked to me about how that company invested in him, like in his physical health, and how they invested in his emotional health, and how they invested in him determining direction in his own life. He talked about how they brought in this company to work with him for months to help him establish a personal mission statement. And so he was just a, a great guy, and, and he would often pass information on to me, and we met together often and he said, you know, if you would like, I could, I could work with you on kind of developing a personal mission statement. But by the way, what is yours? You, you might say, well, I haven't sat down with somebody like him and tried to write out a mission statement. But, but what is your mission in life? Like, are, are you on a mission? Do, do, do you wake up in the morning with this attitude that, that, you know, I'm a, I'm a person with a mission. Get out of my way. You know, I gotta, I've got something to accomplish. Who sent you anyway on this mission is what I want to know. Churches have mission statements. Organizations have mission statements. People have mission statements. I'm, I'm really more interested in just, just hearing from you about what is your mission in life? Who gave you a mission? What is it? How are you living it out today? Do you see yourself as a person with a mission to accomplish? Has someone sent you on a mission? And so what we come to understand through our reading of Scripture is that Jesus says, you know, like my Father sent me, I'm sending you. And, and then he makes it really clear, this is what I'm sending you to do. Go make disciples. Is that, is that how you see yourself? Is, is that how I see myself? I wake up in the morning and I've got a mission to accomplish. Jesus has sent me to go make disciples. I read an article that was a year and a half old by Lifeway Research. Most unchurched Americans say they have multiple Christian friends. But these friends haven't shared with them how or why they should follow Christ. Most unchurched Americans say, yeah, I've got a lot of, a lot of rather Christian friends, but, but, but I don't have any Christian friends who have shared with me how or why I should become a Christ follower. So, so Rick, when you, when you read that, as a pastor, what, what, what are you feeling? Do you feel disappointed with us as a church? I'm, I'm looking at the man in the mirror first. If, if I've got any fingers to point, it's back at me. And, and it's, it's about my own personal life and it's about how I lead you. And so no, I'm not, I'm not pointing my finger at you. I'm, I'm, I'm looking at me. We, we've been on quite a journey these last several weeks, right? We've, we went through the season of Lent, and you remember how we 
talked about the suffering of Jesus. We get to Good Friday, the day that he died on the cross. But then a couple of days later, because on the third day he arises, we celebrated Easter. So Matthew writes it all down. We spent lots of weeks in Matthew, haven't we? So, so there you go. Matthew ends the resurrection story in the last chapter of his book, chapter 28, by saying, you know, uh, Jesus was not in the tomb. The women walked away rejoicing, but they run into Jesus on the road, right? They get down and they want to clasp his feet and worship him. And Jesus says, tell my disciples to go on to Galilee. I will meet them there. And so you're like, Matthew, just put a period there, and that's the, that's the gospel. You've written it. You're done. But that's not how Matthew ends his gospel. There's five more verses. He ends his gospel with a great commission. Go make disciples. And so here we are in the second Sunday of Easter, and it has significant meaning because Jesus lives, Christians have a mission. Matthew did not ill place the Great Commission. It is very much connected to the resurrection. And so last Sunday we came and we celebrated the resurrection. And it has significance for us today as we follow Christ. It means that we have a mission to accomplish. So I want to take you to those last five verses of Matthew's gospel. Matthew chapter 28, beginning with verse 16, okay? So here we go. Then the eleven, these are the remaining disciples. Judas is now gone. They, They went to Galilee. Now, I'll remind you that in chapter 26, Jesus said to the disciples right after the Last Supper, here's how it's going to happen. You're going to fall away. And you remember how it's recorded after all the disciples had deserted him, they fled. I'm going to die after you fall away. Then I'm going to be raised, right? And then I'm going to see you in Galilee. And, and then when he sees the women on the roadside after the resurrection, tell the disciples to go to Galilee. I'm going to meet them there. Well, we're in Galilee. Then the 11 disciples went to Galilee. It's about a three days journey. For them from Jerusalem to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. We all wish we knew what mountain that was, but we don't. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. We don't know what doubted means. Doubted his identity. Didn't know how to process what they were experiencing. Doubted what they were seeing. Doubted he would forgive them. We don't know. And then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. The resurrected Christ is Lord and King. He has all authority and all power. And here's the great commission. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Go make disciples, baptize them, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And the promise, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'm going to ask you again. What's your mission? 
who sent you? Is this how you see yourself? When you get out of bed in the morning, do you say to yourself, onward with the mission? I've been sent to accomplish something. This is what my life is about. I heard a pastor tell a story a few weeks ago about another pastor that wanted to have a conversation with him. He said, we were seeing some growth at our church and he comes to me and he says, I'm I'm 63 years old. Uh, I, I pastor a church and that's what I've done always. I think that I I know how to run programs. But I don't know how to make disciples. Would would you invest in me at this stage of my life and teach me how to make a disciple? See, I I I believe I believe the mission of the church, the mission that Jesus gave his church, has fallen on hard times. The, the, the very reason that I'm standing here today saying to you, because Jesus lives, Christians have a mission, is because I believe that the mission that Jesus has given the church, it's fallen on hard times. Um, Somehow we don't seem to be on track with the mission. I, I, I think, you know, if you wanted me just to sit down, uh, we could have a conversation and just talk about there's there's probably lots of reasons, right? Um, I, I think that, that if you put yourself in the disciples' shoes and you try to see from their perspective, you would say they, they, they messed up, they blew it, they deserted Jesus, Right? The enemy is probably trying to convince them your failures now disqualify you from being a part of the mission. You know, you, you, you had a chance to stand up, but instead you fell back. You had a chance to stand tall, but you didn't. You fell short. And so I, I'm sure the enemy is like, you know, your failure disqualifies you. But, but, but Jesus makes it clear that's not the case. He, he offers forgiveness. And he restores the relationship. And he forgives the failure, right? And then he says, I'm sending you on a mission. Right here. He just said it. And so I, I feel like that, that there are many people in the room who would say, Rick, I, I just don't know. I, I feel like. I don't feel qualified. I don't think that I've lived strong enough of a of a Christian life, or maybe I had a failure back there, or I let God down, and 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 maybe the enemy is trying to convince you my failures disqualify me. Who am I to tell somebody else? You know. And and Jesus just kind of erases that as a possible option in the text today. I think we could talk about how somehow the church has become inward. And, and I don't really know that I understand everything that has caused us to become inward focused. But, 
but but it's true. I, I I think that we've kind of at times felt like, well, we need this for us. You know, we need we need we need more for us here. Or you got to be careful what kind of people you start bringing into the church. I mean, you got all kinds of issues. You could really have problems, you know, with just if you just brought anybody into the church. My goodness, you know, I I, I think that somehow we have turned ministry toward us. So I met with our church staff not long ago. And we've been having conversations about this for quite a while now. And I and I said to them, I want you to think with me about this one simple question. Okay, and here's the question. How much of our ministry here at BFC is focused on people who are already in the faith and in the church? So if you just try to parse out the percentage, okay, just what percent of the ministry that we do here at BFC is focused on people already in the church and already in the faith. In fact, I I tried to personalize it with my staff and I said to them, I said, think about your given work week here. And in the hours that you work and in the hours that you volunteer, what percentage of your time is focused on people who are already in the church and already in the faith? Can I challenge you in that direction? Can we make it personal to you? How much of your time is spent with people already in the faith and in the church? When you invest in people, how much of your investment is in people already in the faith and in the church? You might say, Rick, I, I work in the world, man. I work around non-Christians every day of my life. I'm not talking about working around them. I'm talking about investing in them. Huge difference. I mean, the, the people at your work may say, I work with a Christian, but that Christian has never talked to me about why or how I could become a follower of Jesus. So we're not talking about being around them. We're talking about investing in them. It was sobering for us as a staff. I I began to pray. The Lord began to put this on my heart heavily. And so I I began to dream. I, I began to envision something. So when I think about vision, I think about something that's like in the future that hasn't happened yet. But 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 I could see it happening. Is that what you think of when you think of vision? Something maybe that I desire to see happen. It's, it's in the future. It hasn't happened yet, but, but I, I envision one day us living there, us being there. And so I've never in my life said, Lord, I want you to give me a certain number of souls. But, but I begin to feel like it was important to me personally. And, and, and the number wasn't so important. It was, it was to make me behave and live and think and act differently. But because I've become convinced that if we do what we did last year as a faith community here at BFC, we're probably going to get very similar results. But but for us to get different results, I, I think then we have to behave and act and live differently. And I felt like I needed something in my own life that would challenge me kind of out of the out of the place where I'm living now into a different place. And so I had a number in my mind. I began to pray, Lord, I'm asking you to help us to win and disciple X number of people over the next three years. 
And I was headed to staff meeting and I was going to ask them to pray with me about that number. That's a little more than three people a week. If you told me that last week we had three people come to know Jesus and are being discipled in their faith. And next week there's three more. And next week there's four more. And next week there's three or four more. And the next week I would just be, wow, wouldn't you love to be a part of a church like that? But, but I felt checked and I didn't give them the number. Instead, I asked them to write down a number. And I gave them several days to pray about it. And wouldn't you know that we wrote down all of our numbers and we added them all together and we divided them to find the average. And the average was right at the number that I had in my heart. And so here's what I'm asking God for. Would you give us the grace? Would you empower us to win and disciple 500 people in the next three years? This is what I'm asking God. I'm saying we want to be a part of the mission. We We want to live into what you've called us to do, Jesus. But we're going to need a lot of help. It's a lot of prayer. You understand this battle is not against flesh and blood right here. So it's going to take a lot of prayer. It's going to take a lot of intentionality. It's going to take a lot of us placing ourselves before Jesus saying, use me. Let me tell you my story. Um, Back on my birthday, on October the 17th of last year, 2022, I was in Florida with Annette, just the two of us. Doesn't happen often that just the two of us go away together, but we did. And, And I was reading a book that Pastor Dan had brought me. The title of the book was Hero Maker by a guy named Dan Ferguson. The, the idea is, do you want to be the hero or the hero maker? Uh, and it's about reproducing yourself. And, um, and it's a good book. However, I get to this one section of the book, and Dave Ferguson says something like this. Let me let Frank Moore tell you in his own, Ralph Moore rather, tell you in his own words. And the next three pages are shaded in gray. And it's not Dave writing, it's Ralph Moore writing. I met him not long ago. He, uh, he talked about going to Hawaii, realizing that if we were going to accomplish what Jesus wanted us to accomplish, uh, it was going to take multiplication, exponential growth. Not many people in Hawaii were attending church 25 years ago on Sunday mornings, about 6%. And he said, I knew that we needed a discipleship plan that was repeatable, that was reproducible, that was simple. And he said, if I was going to coach a pastor today, I would, I would just coach them in this way. I would just say, gather around three or four people around you and begin discipling them. And he said, here's what we did. We just, we just asked three questions. We would come together and we would discuss either Sunday sermon or a spiritual forming book or, or a passage of scripture in the Bible. We would discuss it together, maybe three or four of us sitting together. We would discuss that for a while and then we would ask three questions of every person. First question, uh, what is the Spirit saying to you today through this? So what, what God say to you on Sunday when you listen to the sermon? Let me ask you right now, what is God saying to you right now? See, I mean, it's a question that everybody can answer, right? The second question, what would you need to do to align yourself to be in God's will? 
What would you need to do to align yourself with what God's saying to you? That's question number two. Number three, how can we pray for you? And then we would pray over them. He said it was that simple. We didn't, we didn't try to educate our people in apologetics so they could defend every... No, we just, what's God saying? What would you need to do to align yourself to be in line with what God's saying? And, and now let us pray for you. Well, that's not earth-shaking. I, uh, I've been in groups all my life. I, I'll have a group at my house tonight for dinner. I, I met with a group on Wednesday. I met with them the Wednesday before that. I'll meet with them this Wednesday. M- meeting and, and talking about a, a book or a sermon or a passage in the Bible, that's, that, that's something I'm used to. What, what I'm not used to is some ideas that came beyond that. And, and the first idea was that we, 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 we don't believe you can separate, Ralph said, evangelism and discipleship. We had this idea that discipleship starts after a person becomes a Christian. And he said, what about discipling people into the faith? It doesn't matter where somebody is when you when God brings them into your life, even if they're not a professing Christian. What if you begin then discussing Scripture with them and just disciple them right into the faith and then disciple them through their faith journey once they become a Christian? The second thing he said was, at some point, we would look at somebody in that group and say the letters I, okay, letter I, you know what I'm talking about? C, N, U. I see in you the gifts to lead this group. God's bringing other people into my life that need to be discipled, that need to know Jesus. But I see in you the gifts and graces to lead this group. I'm, I'm going to go lead that group. You invite somebody else in and you lead. But you won't always lead this group because one of these days you will see in someone else the graces and gifts to lead and disciple. He said, so when I left my first group, we went from one group to two groups. And that doesn't feel earth shaking. But when you go from 50 to 100 groups, the earth shakes a little bit. I, I, I'm, I'm saying to you today that if, that if you just joined with a friend, a person sitting near you today in church and said, why don't we start meeting? Let's discuss Rick's sermon every week together. Let's just pray who God might bring into our lives that we would say, come and join us. You know what I find interesting? When, when I have a conversation with some people about faith, just to say to them, I, I, I like having this faith conversation with you. Do you want to keep having it? Would you want to meet and talk again? It's amazing how many people say yes. And it's also amazing the fact that they're willing to bring somebody else with them. We, we, we are part of a world that's hungry for something to satisfy I, th- I think somewhere along the way we professionalized the ministry. Leave it to the pros, right? Then we cut the workforce in half. Women aren't really allowed. We're still trying to overcome that one. And, and, and somewhere along the way, we, we, we just said, you know, we, we really ought to just leave it to the professionals. Even if I invite somebody to church, I don't need to be messing with leading somebody to Jesus or discipling them in their faith. Just hand them off once you get them here. 
Tell the pastors we got a fresh one, okay? Take, take over right there. The professionals one day said, well, I can't take care of all of these. We need programs. And we're at a place where very few people are sitting down today with somebody saying, I will, I will walk with you. I will tell you about my Jesus. And I will teach you everything that I've been commanded. We, we will walk together. I will spend and invest my life in you. But then one day, you're going to lead. It's not just about making disciples. It's making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. And that's in the DNA. Well, I, I don't like that idea. I, I like my group. I don't want my group changing. Our group's kind of a closed group. But at what cost? Is my group closed? So Jesus calls us to make disciples. Michael Green is a British theologian, writer. And he says, 80% or more of the evangelism done in the early church wasn't done by the professionals. It was done by everyday ordinary Christians. So Jesus says, go, go make disciples. Um, wh- what I've made in you, go make some more. <laughs> you know, I don't think it's an accident that he says all nations either. It's this idea that every member is a missionary, okay? You're a missionary, I'm a missionary, and the whole world is the mission field. Nobody's off limits here, okay? Are you a missionary? Every member's a missionary. In the early church, the idea was everybody's a missionary. It wasn't just people who went to other countries. Everybody is out sharing their faith, and so... You know, I remember just a few months ago preaching a sermon and I talked about about how that we gather, you know, here and we worship the Lord together. We experience his presence. And then what do we do? We go. We go out and we share what we've experienced here. We come back. We gather. We go. It's like breathing in and out. We gather. We go. We gather. We go. But I said in that sermon that day, I'm, I'm afraid that we've become content with gathering. I'm, I'm more about the gathering, Rick. I'm not, I'm not much into the going. I heard someone say, many churches today have entered into a social contract with their parishioners. I understood it. Here's what we'll do. We'll, we'll, we'll have an agreement, you and me. You come here. Support what we're doing. I'll I'll give you my best shot at a sermon every week. We'll try to offer you the best music we can offer you. We'll try to keep up in our technology. We'll provide good children's programming, good youth programming for you and your family. And we'll give your family a kind of this big menu to choose from. Stuff for everybody. 
What, what would it be like if I stood at the back door today and a family is new and they said, we're looking for a church. We're, we're thinking about your church. And, and what if I said to them, OK, you're you're welcome here. We, here's what we're going to do. We're going to get we're going to get you trained up. We're going to get you suited up. We're going to we're going to inspire, encourage you. We're going to equip you in every way that we can. And, and, and then we we want you we're going to send you out. And, and, and we're going to we're just going to fully expect that you're going to be a disciple maker. I wonder how honest people would be if they said, no, no, no. we're not we're not interested in, in, in the going. We're interested in the gathering. We're looking at a church to gather in. We we haven't. No, the, 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 the going things not. No, that's not us. See, for, for Jesus, it was a whole picture. You, you, you come to know them and you begin to work and you begin to share. And then, and then they come to this place of conversion and then, and then they're baptized. Jesus is baptizing them. It's where they identify with Jesus and his community. Um, and, and, and then what you're going to, you're going to teach them whatever you know, whatever you've been taught, you teach them and you just walk with them. I'm going to tell you about Jesus and I'm going to bring you all the way to, I'm going to walk with you through the, and someday the reason, then you're going to make disciples. It's this idea of multiplication. It's making disciples that make disciples that make disciples. When I invest money, I'm not interested in addition. I want multiplication. I want that money to compound every period, right? Why wouldn't we want it for the kingdom? I heard Jay Pathak, a preacher, speak not long ago. And here's what he said. He said, we are an unbroken chain of humans that discipled other humans from the time of Jesus. Talked about your faith family tree. It goes all the way back to Jesus, by the way. Somebody discipled you. Somebody discipled them. Somebody discipled them. Somebody discipled them. And it's an unbroken chain that goes all the way back to Jesus. That's how it works. I, I, I listened to baptisms stories sitting right there a few weeks ago. And every story was about somebody invested in me. Even the children talked about a children's pastor or mom or dad told me about Jesus. Every story, even the adults, it was somebody investing in me. Somebody was telling me. Somebody was walking with me. You say, Rick, I, I don't know how to do stuff like this. Jesus said, I'll be with you. You're not alone. My divine presence will empower you. Even if you said to a person who's in the room with you today, would you start meeting with me? Let's disciple each other, I guess. Let's pray about who God would have us bring in. Who needs to know Jesus? Who's somebody that you know, I know? If it just started there. So here's what I'm going to offer you. And some of you are going to take me up on it. And it's Wednesday night in the atrium at 630. When you drop your kids off for children's programming... If you want to join me in the atrium at 630, I'd love to have you. If you just say, Rick, you've got my attention. I want to talk more. I don't feel trained, adequate, equipped, anything else. We do have a course here to help train you to disciple. It's called Catalyst. And, and, and Wednesday night is just kind of an introduction to that. And, um, and it's more conversation about this idea of just discipling people who disciple people. But but it's a way more casual. It's a time to ask questions. It's a time to talk to others. And, and I would love for you to join me. So some of you are going to join me. And some of those of you who join me are going to begin to disciple somebody. Into the faith. And on their faith journey. Are you excited? 
I am too. I wish you would join me Wednesday night in the atrium. What time? I heard a song the other day. It got a hold of me. And uh, it's, uh, I asked Nick to sing it. Is that, is that okay? And uh, it, it gives you an opportunity just to, just to see through the lens, through the eyes of a person who is very curious about faith. And, and I believe God's going to speak to you, too, as Nick sings. Will he love me as I am? Will he strike me where I stand? I'm asking for a friend. I've heard he's like a lion, but he's also like a lamb. I'm asking for a friend. Does he turn water into wine? Does he walk upon the waves? Did he die upon the cross? Did he rise up from the grave? I'm asking for a friend. And is he still a friend of sinners? Does he still hang out with thieves? Would he ever be embarrassed to be seen with men like me? Does he walk upon the water like he walks upon the land? When I fall to my old habits, will he still reach out his hand? I'm asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. Is he welcoming the foreigner? Does he love the least of these? I'm asking for a friend. Would he really need the 99 to come searching after me? I'm asking for a friend. Did he cause the blind to see and the lame to walk again? Would he draw lines in the sand when I'm standing here condemned? I'm asking for a friend. Is he still a friend of sinners? Does he still hang out with these? Would he ever be embarrassed to be seen with men like me? Does he walk upon the water like he walks upon the land? When I fall to my old habits, will he still reach out his hand? I'm asking for a come to set the captives free as he making all things new cause I've run out of options to repair this life of mine that's worn and used can I trust you are you still the friend of sinners do you still hang out with thieves 
Would you ever be embarrassed to be seen with men like me? Do you walk upon the water like you walk upon the land? When I fall to my gold habits, will you still reach out your hand? I'm asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. Oh, I'm asking for a friend. I'm asking for a friend. The chances are really strong that you know somebody who's asking those questions. We often talk about inviting people to church. Another great way to begin faith conversations. And next week I start a series called You from God's View. It's, it's a great series to invite a friend to come to. It really just talks about how God sees you. That you are loved and you are desired you have a soul. You're made for God. It would be an incredible opportunity to bring a friend to who doesn't know Jesus. You have something to sing? Why don't, why don't we stand? And um, I, we're, we're a little over time, but that's, I don't feel a need to be concerned. I feel a need to... To just say, let's sing. If you if you want to come and pray, um, I would want you to feel free to come and pray. If you do not identify as a Christian today, I want you to know that I want this church, I want me to become all about you and helping you come to know Jesus. So this morning, I just think we ought to be in His presence a minute. Let's sing a minute. If you want to pray for a minute, you're welcome to. Let's just let's just not feel in a hurry, okay? I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to your will and to your way. I'll say yes, Lord, yes, and I will trust you and obey when your spirit. When your spirit speaks to me, with my whole heart I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord, yes. I'll say yes, I'll say yes, Lord, yes, to Trust you and obey when your spirit speaks to me. With my whole heart, I'll agree, and my answer will be yes, Lord. Yes, go from this place.
knowing that God loves you, um, experiencing the grace and the love of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit as he promised his divine presence to go with you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.